0: would you take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. If I was to ask you, what is the best thing about Canada? What is the best thing about Canada? What would be your response? You don't necessarily have to answer that. I've had 8,000 different responses, okay? Uh, if I was to ask you the best thing about Canada, what would you say? Everything, okay. Some might say freedom, some might say healthcare, some might say the people, some might say its natural beauty. Again, the list could go on and on and on and on about the wonderful things about Canada. Now, if I was to kind of reverse that question and say, what's the worst thing about Canada? Winter. Winter is not allowed, okay? All I know is with the weather that was going on this week, I can't wait for winter to come back. It's going to be great. Okay, let's hold on. I don't want to get into that. Talk about these things in your mind, all right? I'm asking these questions on purpose, and I'm telling you not to answer them out loud on purpose, okay? If What is Canada's biggest problem? What is their biggest issue? Again, all kinds of different things that we could say here, but there's no doubt that there are many amazing things about Canada. Many amazing things. And let's be frank, there's no doubt that there are a lot of things wrong in Canada. We have so much to be grateful for, while at the same time we have so much work to do. Now it's easy to look at Canada and say, here's what's good and here's what's bad. Now let me make this extremely personal, okay? If I was to ask you about you personally, what is the best thing about you? Again, don't answer out loud, what would you say? What is the best thing about you personally? Now, conversely, I have to ask the question. Personally, again, don't say this out loud, what is your biggest problem? Again, it's easy for your spouse to look at you and go, oh, let me just offer that information. No, I'm asking you personally, delve into your life, think about yourself. What is your biggest problem? I think sometimes we actually genuinely struggle with this. And When I'm asking about Canada, every one of us would have different opinions. Every one of us. Why? Because every one of us has a different direction that we want Canada to go. And the reality here is when I ask you the question personally, what is your biggest problem or what is your greatest asset? We almost sometimes we struggle to answer those questions. In fact, we we, we don't really want to answer the second question. We'll tell everybody how great we are in a certain way and how wonderful we are about this thing. But when it comes to our greatest personal liabilities, we want to hold on to that. I think for many of us, we don't actually know what our greatest asset really is. And for many of us, I I think we don't actually know what our greatest liability is. And here's why. I think because most of us don't know or don't think about our destination you see as a country of Canada we say this is the direction I wanted to go so here's all the good things because it's pointing in that direction and here's all the bad things because they're not pointing in that direction when you're asking yourself this question personally you go uh, I don't know because a lot of times we don't know what direction we're headed we don't know what our destination is we don't know what we're trying to accomplish in our lives with this being said, I'm, re- I'm reminded of a story that I read this week uh, about a Canadian Arctic expedition in 1845. The expedition was called the Franklin Expedition. It is widely known. Okay, it's widely known. It's something that's publicized and it was a turning point in Arctic exploration for its day. The expedition, expedition excuse me, was planning to be away for three years they're planning on going to explore the northwest passage approximately 138 men were aboard two steam ships now steam ships in this day were like huge inventions they took steam locomotives and they put those engines and refurbished them a little bit and put them into the ships and beefed up the front ends of the ships so that they could take the canadian winter ice right now this is winter this is what's awesome about Canada however these men made some extremely questionable choices when it came to their provisions okay, I want you to think about if you were going to the Canadian Arctic some of you can't even fathom that but if you were going what would you take Instead of additional coal for their steam engines, these men chose to make room for a library of over a thousand books. Now again, you're going to be gone for three years, I get it. You've got 138 different men, but a thousand books? Really? That's a lot of books. Not only did they choose to have that, each ship had their own hand organ for music. They even had a pet monkey. So instead of making room for more of the things that they needed, they brought some amenities along. Listen to this. They took almost 8,000 gallons of alcohol. Each man was presented with a wolfskin coat, but they also had their own china place settings. Cut glass wine goblets. Sterling silver flatware, each piece of flatware engraved with the initials of each officer and their family crest. This sounds more like the provisions of a country club than it does a three-year Arctic exploration. Within three years, the expedition's 138 men were all dead. Search parties went out and found men who had set off to walk for help when their supplies ran out. One body was found wearing only his fine blue cloth uniform trimmed with lace. Not very much covering for the Canadian Arctic. One man was found dead clutching his sterling silver flatware. Like, what are you doing walking in the Canadian Arctic with sterling silver flatware? two men were found in a lifeboat which according to my understanding they took the lifeboats as they were walking across the ice flows and they would just drag it along just in case one of them fell through they would be able to get in the lifeboat pretty smart however in the lifeboat were found approximately 40 pounds of chocolate guess what and eight pairs of boots and so you sit here and you wonder why if you were going to the canadian arctic why wouldn't you take more they had all kinds of nice things but hear me they did not have what they needed for their destination they didn't one cannot imagine that any of these sailors would have said as they neared death on the frozen tundra i wish i had brought more silver or more chocolate I guarantee that's not what they were thinking You see as we sit here today and maybe as you go from here this week we are on a journey or on an expedition through life every one of us every day is a journey every day is a step every day is a motion forward in life and many of us are like the man in our story today we have all kinds of nice things we have money we have houses we have lands we have cars we have technology we have silver we have chocolate We view all of these things as assets. We view all of them as assets, but what if these things could be our greatest liability? We view chocolate and silver and houses and lands and cars and family and friends and all these different things, we we view them as assets, but what if they are our greatest liability? What if all the nice things we have on this expedition of life is what's actually hurting us? Look at Matthew chapter 19, look at verse 16 with me. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16, the Bible says this, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? By the way, excellent question. And he's going to the right person to ask this excellent question. But I want you to notice this. And he said unto him, he being Jesus, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which, which ones do you want me to keep? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All all these have i kept from my youth up what lack i yet jesus said unto him if thou wilt be perfect go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me one of the saddest verses in all the bible is verse 22 but when the young man heard that saying he went away sorrowful why for he had great possessions You see, the reality is, this man had everything. He was rich, prosperous. No doubt he was good-looking. Tall, dark, and handsome, as tall, dark, and handsome as a Jewish man can get. Prosperous. He was obviously a moral man. He most likely was probably taking care of his mom and dad. He was a good, young, Jewish man. By this time, the Bible calls him, in other parallel passages, the rich young ruler. So not only did he have power and prestige, he had position. He had all kinds of things at a young age. Get this, he had it all going for him. He had made all of the physical preparations for what he thought was important. He had everything. He was rich. He had power. He had prestige. He had position. But even before he could get into the conversation with Jesus, Jesus already knows why he's there. Jesus already drills down and pegs him up against the wall and says, Listen, I know who you are. I know what your problem is. And this man, notice with me, calls Jesus good master. Notice verse 16. Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master. This was a... A a, a greeting this is something that probably would have happened over and over and over again so this is not an uncommon greeting for Jesus I don't believe but Jesus look at Jesus retort it's not one that we would normally think of we wouldn't say well hello to you as well that's not what Jesus says look at he says and he said unto him why callest thou me good Why, why are you calling me good There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Jesus says, listen, you're calling me good. There is none good but God. Jesus is pointing out that without even getting to the root of the problem, that this man already thinks of himself as good. You see, Jesus is cutting him off at the knees, walking in. There is none good except for God. But Jesus reminds him again, listen, you are not good. You're calling me God because there's none good but God. And you are not good you are not a good man in fact the bible tells us in romans chapter 3 verses 10 to 12 as it is written there is none righteous no not one there is none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after god they are all gone out of the way they are together become unprofitable there is none that doeth good notice no not one you say no 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 you you don't understand i'm a good person not according to the Bible you're not I'm sorry to tell you listen I want to give you the benefit of the doubt and I want to be kind to you this morning but the Bible says that there is none good no not one let me ask this question to you this morning why is it that we think that we're good why is it that most of us walk around and when I ask you what are your best qualities and all of us have an answer why is it that we think we're good I believe this I believe it's because we all have a desperate need to feel value we all have a desperate need to feel value let me get through this every single person on planet earth wants to know that they are valued every single one whether someone else values us or whether we have value to ourselves we all want value you see the question we'll often ask ourselves especially as we get into the midlife crisis area right what value am I I've lived half of my life what value have I given as young people were like man this is what I have to offer I'm excited to give this I'm excited to go with this I have this to value to offer to the world I have value but listen when people don't feel value Depression. This is why suicide in our world today is so high. Because people don't feel valued. Because people don't understand. We don't feel that value. Listen, we want to be good. We want to tell everybody how good we are. We want to tell everybody what a wonderful person we are so that we can feel valued. We all want to be good. We all want to list our good qualities because we want people to value us. Listen, I want to stand up here and today and tell you how wonderful of a person I am. won't take very long, but I want to tell you about it anyway. Because I want to feel value. I want you to go, wow. I want you to go, oh, he's a good man. I want you to say, oh, yeah, I like him. We want to feel that value. Notice with me the valuable commands that Jesus relays to this young man. He says, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. Notice what, he, what commands he says. Which ones? Jesus said, verse 18, I shall do no murder. Think about this. If you don't murder somebody, do you value human life? Yes. Okay, because quite frankly, there have been times where I've been angry enough that, again, we're going to go to the 401. We always go there. I've been angry enough that, oh, right? And if I did not value human life, probably could have easily taken care of that what about this one Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery caring valuing your spouse Uh, thou shalt not steal valuing someone else's property thou shalt not bear false witness valuing the truth and somebody's ideas and, and, and honesty honor thy father and mother value your father and your mother thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself value the neighbor listen everything jesus points to is value value add value to other people and if i was to ask you the same question do you add value to someone else do you add value to someone else so are you because you add value are you valuable I almost can guarantee you, many of you would give the same classic answer that this man does. Notice, I love it. His answer is so classic. The young man saith unto him, all these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I? Let me put it in today's vernacular. Yep, got that. What else? Yep, I'm covered. I've done that. What else you got? You see, that's the reality we look at. Like, oh, yeah, I'm nice to this person, and I'm nice to that person, and I do this, and I do that. And we begin looking and say, come on, give me more. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I've kept those things since I was a kid. I'm valuable in position. I'm valuable in prosperity. I'm valuable to the people around me. I am so valuable, I must be valuable enough to get into heaven. I'm valuable. But I want you to notice what Jesus says in verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, if you want to be perfect, if you want to do everything, notice, go. And sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. In one sentence, Jesus placed a burden on him that he could not bear. Let me say that again. In one sentence, Jesus placed a burden on the rich man that he could not bear. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle this. He would lose all of his value if he did that. If I took all that I had and I sold it and gave everything to the poor, guess what? I am no longer valuable. I've lost All of my resources in order to be valuable to this person. And I won't be able to take care of my parents anymore. And I I, I won't have my power. And I, I won't have my prestige. And surely I won't have my position after I do all of that. See, I just lost all my value. If you're in the habit of writing things down, I want you to write this down. Jesus wants to remove your perceived temporal value. And give you eternal value. Read it, write it down, say it to yourself over and over. Jesus wants to remove your perceived, perceived temporal value to give you eternal value. You realize that someday this earth and everything on it is going to perish. Everything in earth is going to go away. It's not going to be worth anything. So listen, it's perceived, it's perceived temporal value. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to remove that. I want to take that away from you why so that I can give you something far better something that will last for eternity I want to give it to you he wants you to remove he wants to remove your perceived temporal value to give you eternal value I believe this Jesus will bring you to a place where your value and his value collide he wants to bring you to that place where Your value and his value collide. And when he does, guess what will happen? You'll have to make an incredibly important decision. He's going to take your value and he's going to take his. And he's going to bring him to a meeting point. And you're going to have to make a decision. Nobody can make that decision for you. Oh, trust me, I wish I could make it for you. Oh, trust me, your parents wish they could make it for you. But we can't. Jesus wants to bring you to a place where your value and his value collide. Look at verse 23. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I want you to understand something. This man, this rich young man, this rich young ruler came face to face with a decision. His decision was to put aside all of his earthly value and follow Jesus or keep it all and walk away. His decision was simply this, to put aside all of his earthly value and follow Jesus or to keep it all and walk away that's the decision you see the reality is this man made his decision verse 22 but when the young man heard that saying he what went away sorrowful I want you to notice that term sorrowful I want you to notice the term sorrowful guys I want you to notice the term sorrowful you can have all of this world's riches you can have all of this world's riches and not have Jesus Christ and it will never make you happy I said this a thousand times John D Rockefeller was the richest man in his day he was asked one time how much money is too much money one more dollar one more dollar once you get that one more dollar, guess what you're going to want? Another one, and another one, and another one. Listen, you are going to be sorrowful, but at the, at the right hand of Jesus, guess what? The Bible says there are pleasures forevermore. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see, the reality is we get it mixed up. Is we think I want to have all these temporal, earthly treasures, and I want to hold on to them, but I guarantee you, you will walk away sorrowful. Sorrowful see, this man, he could not foresee how he could keep all that he had worked so hard to accomplish in his life. He could not foresee how he could keep everything and still follow Jesus. He could not see how Jesus could take his minuscule temporal value and make it into limitless eternal value. He couldn't see it. He couldn't believe it. How is Jesus going to take what I have and make it into something better? And so maybe you're sitting here today. And you know, you know, you know that Jesus is tugging on your heart to do something for him. I don't know what it is. But you do. And quite frankly, you just don't know how you're going to swing it. You don't know how you're going to accomplish it. You don't know how you're going to be able to do it. You don't know how it's all going to work out. And maybe you've set some things aside. Maybe you're going to have to set some things aside that you've worked so hard for. Worked so hard. You worked 10, 20, 30, 40 years for this moment. And now God is calling you to put that aside and give it to him your value is tied up in all of those things but Jesus is calling you to reach out and set your affections on things above not on things on earth in fact you might even be sitting here this morning and you know God's calling you to something specific and by the way it doesn't even have to be the traditional I have to be a missionary or have to be in full-time service it could be anything You know that God is calling you just to talk to your neighbor across the street. You know that God is calling you to put aside your your RRSPs and do something. You know God is calling you to do something. I don't know what it is, but you know it. You might be sitting thinking, that's impossible. That's impossible. Again, Jesus calls that out. I love Jesus. Constantly calling out our thoughts. Look at verse 24 again. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier. A lot of commentators have told us that this is a reference to a small hole in a wall that a camel would have to unburden himself and crawl through. I'm going to say openly I completely disagree with that there's no evidence ever found of a small opening like that and quite frankly that makes it possible you see the reality of what jesus is trying to say is it is impossible have you ever tried to take a camel and put it through the eye of a sewing needle i can't get thread through the eye of a sewing needle listen you can push all day you can push all night you can push for the rest of your life and guess what will happen it won't go through the eye of a needle it is impossible which brings the question then and the disciples ask it well and his disciples heard it verse 25 they were exceedingly amazed saying this who then can be saved it's exceedingly impossible Notice verse 26, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, watch, with men, this is what? Impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Listen, we're not trying to soften the blow of what Jesus is trying to say here. Yes, a camel could get down on his knees and crawl through this opening if he didn't have his burden on but I want you to hear this Jesus is saying we want something that's impossible a camel going through the eye of a needle completely utterly impossible but not with God you see the reality is most of us don't have the faith don't trust God enough to speak the world into existence we don't have the faith in trusting God that he can take us from death and bring us unto life we don't have the faith to believe that a rich man could enter into the kingdom of god there is physically no human way for a man or a woman to make it to heaven on their own let me say that again there is physically no human way for a man or a woman to make it to heaven on their own let me say it it's impossible 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 let me give you a newsflash and again I don't mean to be rude but you do not have enough value to make it to heaven on your own it's impossible you don't have enough money you don't have enough good looks trust me some of you don't have enough good looks you don't have enough fame you don't have enough fortune You don't have enough. You have nothing. Get this. Get it through your head. It is humanly impossible. But not for God. But not for God. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. God makes the impossible possible. God makes the impossible possible. You say, how? Sometimes I don't know. How is he going to fit a camel through the eye of a needle? I have no idea. But if there's one person in the entire world that can do it, it's God. God can make it happen. You might be thinking, I just don't think he can. I just don't believe he can. I just don't think he can make it happen. I am just way too comfortable in this life to give it up. I am just way too comfortable to give up my life and trust the Lord to give me eternal value. I want you to look at verse 27. The Bible says this. Then answered Peter. Oh, I love Peter. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, watch this, shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. I love Peter, always the brash one but he's asking the question that all of us are thinking okay let's say I give up this thing let's say I put aside my riches let's say I put aside my life and I surrender to the Lord what happens to me And here we see Jesus specifically to Peter you 12 you 12 are going to sit on 12 thrones and rule over the 12 tribes of Israel. Let me talk about value just for a minute. Dirty, rotten, old, nasty fishermen and you know what he does? He takes them and he literally sits them in thrones. 12 thrones to judge over the 12 tribes of Israel. Wow! That's value. Eternal value. Then in verse 29 Jesus makes it very clear that everyone, everyone who chooses to surrender, look, the Bible says, shall receive an hundredfold. You take what you have right now and you give it to Jesus and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, based on the word of God, I guarantee you, Jesus will multiply it. By a hundredfold. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Value doesn't come from man, value comes from God. Value doesn't come from man, value comes from God. Listen, man may not value you, but I got this God does. Let me say that again. You may not feel that man or your friends or your family or anybody else values you, but hear me, God does and God wants to take you and God wants to use you in such a way that gives you eternal value. Value doesn't come from man, value comes from God. Verse 30 finishes the thought. The Bible says, but many that are first shall be last. And the last I'll be first. When we put ourselves first, guess what? We end up being last. We walk away sorrowful. But when we put God first and ourselves last, guess what? We'll end up being first. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't make logical climb the corporate ladder sense, right? But sometimes God just does things just a little bit differently than we think He should. Our destination is important. Let me ask you a simple question today What do you value? What do you value? Let me ask it again What is your greatest asset? Instead of thinking about our assets and what we have on this earth, let me say this. Instead of thinking about what I have, let's start thinking about where we're going. Where's your destination? You see, so so many of us are looking for retirement. I can't wait. I'm like fifty years away from retirement. I can't wait for it. it's gonna be so much fun. Well, guess where my value is gonna be? Our RSPs, right? Because I I, I want to put my money in there so that I can retire. What if my What if my destination is a house? Then where's my value? My value is in a down payment. What if our value is wanting our children to like us? Man, I really just, if, if my children like me, then I'll feel complete. Then guess what we do? We give them everything that they want. We invest in that. Our value is in that. What if our destination is to travel the world? Then we put time and effort into that. Listen, hear me. Whatever our destination is, that's what we'll put value into. What if my destination is to help every missionary I possibly can? Then my time, my money, my effort will reflect that. What if my destination is heaven? What if my destination is heaven? In Matthew chapter 5, lay up treasure in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also. Where's your destination? You see, it's not here on this earth. It's not here on this earth we're just the passing through this world's not my home my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore Ah, uh, my destination is heaven Now, let me ask you is your value there I just want to read one last verse and that is verse 21 Jesus said unto him Thou wilt be perfect. Go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. Notice this, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Listen, this is what this man needed. He needed to sell all that he had and give to the poor. But God knows what you need too. God knows what you need too, and he's poking at that right now. He's poking at it. He's saying, this is what I called you to. This is what I called you to. Let me ask you. Are you going to give it to Jesus? Are you going to reach out to those people who need it? Are you going to give it over to Christ and allow him to give you eternal value? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all that you've done for us. Father, what a privilege it's been to study this out this week. Father, convict my own life. Father, I pray that as we Look into your perfect law of liberty. Would you help us to see who we are and what we need to change? Father, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as personal Savior, I pray that today would be the day they would accept you. Today would be the day that they realize that their riches, their good works, nothing is going to make them and allow them to get into heaven only through your shed blood. Only through Christ. Father, we pray you get all the honor and glory from everything that we do. We pray all these things in your name. I'm just going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I challenge you to write a decision down. I don't know what your decision is today, but maybe you need to write down, it's time I determined my real destination, my eternal destination. I need to know more about how to get to heaven today. If that's you today, you need to know more about heaven. I would love to speak with you after. I would love to speak with you after. Get you to hopefully show you how to know for sure that you go to heaven maybe you need to write down today it's time i started living like my destination is in heaven maybe your decision is it's time i found value in how jesus finds my value define myself by how jesus defines me maybe you need to surrender your life to him right now whatever your decision is we want to give you just a minute to make that decision so let's give you that time right now